and he loves you and he loves me. Amen. Well, praise God. All right, we're back. Mark, Mark chapter 12, are you with me? Mark chapter 12, and uh, um, praying this week. I, 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 I kindly scheduled, you know, I don't want to talk a lot about how the vacation came about. It was a sudden thing. I didn't mention that, but, it, but I should have adjusted my time a little differently because, you know, I was gone the last Sunday, so then I had to be preparing while I'm gone for this Sunday. So it's kind of a vacation. It's a work vacation. I think most pastors have working vacations. Amen. That's always seems to be the case. But anyway, uh, in, in, in just talking to the Lord this week and everything about uh, what to bring this morning, and I just felt impressed with the Holy Spirit to continue on, where we are in Mark's gospel chapter. 12 and we have been uh, we've we have been for some time now um, studying the life of the Lord Jesus we're getting here in chapters 11 12 13 14 um, we, we will be getting into chapter 13 very soon where Jesus talks about signs of the end time signs of, of his coming so I'm anxious to get into the to those passages but Jesus, it's, it's the Passion Week. He's been teaching in the temple. We have found out um, they have been trying to trick him, to trap him, to find something they can accuse him of, to, um, you know, to, to um, they're, they're tempting him, trying to find something wrong, getting, just if they can get him to say something wrong and to mess up. But you ain't gonna make Jesus mess up. Come on, Amen. So here we are again, and in Mark chapter 12, uh, I want you to notice these, these verses. We're going to begin reading in verse number 28. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 28 says this, Then one of the scribes came to him, and these are familiar verses that we're going to deal with this morning. One of the scribes came to him, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he, speaking of Jesus, had answered them well. And he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him and said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is coming from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. And this is the first commandment. And then Jesus is going to throw in a little extra for him. And the second is the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all of the soul, 
and uh, with all of the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And verse 34 would be another message probably altogether. And Jesus, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. He wasn't there, but he was close. You know, there's a lot of people today that are close, but they ain't there yet. Amen. Like I said, that's another message altogether. Amen. But I want to talk to you about the greatest commandment today as given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the presence of the Lord, the wonderful time of worship, your Holy Spirit that is filling this sanctuary today, that is touching our hearts and lives. Thank you for the encouragement that we feel today from the Spirit of the Lord. I'm asking you for your anointing this morning. Help me to say exactly what you would have me to say, to encourage your people, your church. And uh, God will give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. In this encounter, Jesus is asked a very important question. And his answer to that question gets right to the very heart of what it means to be saved, what it means to be a child of God. And what Jesus had to say to this man in answer and in response to his question, I believe, is of utmost importance to you and I as well today. Because Jesus, in this text, Jesus speaks about love. He speaks about love. And he talks about here not just any kind of love, but he talks about a specific kind of love that has a specific object to that love and of that love. And uh, you know, when you think about love today, people have love. They talk about love. We hear so much about love. I mean, even politicians are talking about love. Give me a break. Amen. But people have a lot of different loves for a lot of different things. We have, to, we have to understand what Jesus is talking about. I mean, somebody could say, well, I just really love ice cream, or I love pizza, or I love seafood, or I love prime rib, amen, or, you know, <laughs> any of those things. But that's not the kind of love or the right object of our love, amen? There's a lot of different loves for a lot of different things, and, and the Bible even brings that out. I mean, Paul said, talking about a man that was a follower of, of the Lord Jesus Christ at one time by the name of Demas, Paul said that Demas had forsaken him because he loved this present world. Peter spoke of, I believe it was of Balaam, when he said that he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Jesus spoke of those who loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And he spoke of those who loved darkness rather than light. And then Paul said, in writing to Timothy, he said that there were those who in the last days would be lovers of their own selves and lovers of 
pleasure more than lovers of God. How many are familiar with those verses? So there was a presence here in those verses, a presence of love, but it was a love that was with an unworthy or of an unworthy object. But here in this passage, in this text, Jesus speaks to us about the ultimate love and the ultimate object of our love. And uh, let me tell you something, saints of God, this morning. We can love a lot of things today, but love for God. And what Jesus is talking about here in this passage, our love for God Almighty and our love for the Lord Jesus Christ has got to have and must have a priority or the priority and the number one place in our lives. Jesus here speaks of loving God and he goes as far to say that our love for God, now listen to me, that our love for God, for God has to be and must be first and of utmost importance in our life. And the words that Jesus gave here in this passage of scripture to this man, this scribe, this scribe that asked this question, the words that he gave just cut down to size all other priorities in our lives and leaves one priority standing taller and standing far above any and other priority that we can have in our life and that is a love for Almighty God. How many would agree with that today? Our love for God. We have to have the right object of love which is we've got to love God and our love for Him must have predominance in our life we've got to love him more than anything in this world come on somebody now the Jewish law when we think about the commandments we think about Exodus chapter 20 and we think about the Ten Commandments, but actually in the Jewish law, and a lot of people are, are shocked to hear this, but there were actually thir- 613 commandments. Aren't you glad that we're not under the law, but we're under grace? Amen. There were 613 commandments in the law, and 248 of them were positive commandments of things that we should do, of they, that they should do, and 365 of those those commandments were negative commandments of things that they were not to do. And the scribes um, and the, the Jews and the Pharisees, the scribes, they had divided those commandments also into those commandments which were weightier and those which were lighter. And the religious leaders of that day were always constantly debating which of these were of the greatest importance. This commandment's better than this or greater than this. No, you need to keep this one instead of that one. This one's better and that one's better. And they we're always debating which of these commandments were of greatest importance. And so that brought on this question to Jesus concerning which one of these commandments was the greatest. And they were trying to pull Jesus in and get him to, to, to name one commandment. And so Jesus here, you know, I mean, this is amazing to me because here they are trying to get Jesus, the lawgiver, and the 
the perfect, the one who perfectly obeyed the law to give them what commandment of the law is the perfect commandment, trying to trip up the lawgiver. That ain't going to happen. Come on, amen. But Jesus here takes all 613 of these commands and he brings them down to two commands and he says that the number one priority of all the commands of all the 613 that were in the Torah the number one priority and the number one command is that of love is that of love. Here he says that you are to love God with your entire being, with all of your mind, with all of your soul and your strength and your heart. And with all that you've got, you are to love the Lord your God. And then he just throws this in for a bonus and he says then also the second greatest one is that you are to love your your neighbor as yourself. We could use a whole lot of that today as well. So Jesus said that it's all wrapped up in two sentences. Are you listening to me? Everything is wrapped up. It's, the whole thing is wrapped up in two sentences and that is love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is teaching that true religion, listen to me, and I, I, I always cringe a little when I use the word religion but true religion he's saying is all about loving God and loving people how many would agree with that? It's all about loving God and loving people. And Paul carried that thought over even into the book of 1 Corinthians when, we, when he was writing to that church at Corinth, that Corinthian church, which was a, uh, a tongue-talking bunch of people. But I'll tell you what, they had a lot going on. They had a lot of strife. They had a lot of division. And Paul told them, he said, I wanted to speak to you and talk to you about spiritual things, but I couldn't because you're not spiritual. You're carnal. Your babes in Christ. And he said the reason you're carnal is because there's envy and there's strife and there's division among you. Well, see, we can't have that in the church. And so Paul dealt with the envy and the strife there in the church at Corinth. And he, he said the same thing. He said that love out of everything, out of all the spiritual gifts, out of uh, faith, hope, and love, that the greatest of these is what did he say it was? Was love. Hallelujah, that you love one another. Paul went as far to say that, that, that speaking in tongues, and he was not listening to me. I don't have time to go into this, but, but he was not demeaning the spiritual gifts. He was not demeaning speaking in tongues. He was not demeaning prophecy or any of that. But what Paul was saying was this, that if you, you can talk in tongues, you can prophesy, you can preach, you can do all these things, you can give a, a, a vast amounts of money, Money. You can even sacrifice your life to be burned as a martyr, but if you do not have love for one another, it will profit you nothing. That's the same thing Jesus was saying. The greatest is you got to love God and you got to love people. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So, Jesus says here that there's a demand God makes on us loving him. A demand. 
This is a commandment that Jesus is giving here. He's reducing 613 of them down to these two. And so Jesus, in verses 29 and 30, he quotes, uh, in verse 29 and 30, he says, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So Jesus quotes here, takes them to the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy, the fourth and fifth verse, and he quotes from their law, from the Torah. And he, he quotes that verse, Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. That's just what Jesus said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, that passage there, Deuteronomy 6, was what was known to them as the Shema. It was the Shema, which means to hear. And this passage was quoted by every Jew every day during his prayer time. Jesus was not giving them an obscure passages of scripture that they were not familiar with it was it was this passage these verses that that every Jew that every Jewish service opened with and still open with today they read the Shema it was the first text these the Shema was that every Jewish child committed to memory and this verse reminded them that there was no other God but Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God but Jehovah God. Are you listening? That X's out every other God. That scratches out Buddha. That scratches out uh, 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 Muhammad or, or, or Allah. It scratches out every other God. Somebody said, well, you need to be a little more, you know, uh, uh, not, not quite so bigoted on that. You need to be a little more lenient on that. Let me say it again just in case you didn't hear me the first time the Lord God Jehovah is the only God there's no other God all other gods are false gods they're not real gods. Are you listening to me? God is God and he is God alone. And so that's what these verses reminded them of, that there was no other God but Jehovah. And they also reminded them that anything, anything, everybody say anything, anything that occupies first place in our lives ahead of that true God is an idol in our lives. Nothing can take precedence over our God. And Jesus here was describing the basic fundamental truth of our relationship to God. And that relationship is that we have to love Him. That we're to love Him with every faculty of our being. That we have got to love Him more than we love anything.
everything else in this world. Come on, church. God himself desires our love, and God wants us to love him. And let me tell you, God Almighty deserves our love. Why would we not love him? Praise God. But these words that Jesus gave when he said, you shall love the Lord, those two words, you shall, force us to consider loving God from a different perspective, not just because he desires it, not just because he deserves it, but because he demands our love. We are commanded by the Lord to love him with all that is within us. Hallelujah. Jesus said you shall love. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a suggestion, but this is a command. It isn't to be debated. It is not to be discussed. It isn't to be thought about. It is strictly to be obeyed. You shall love. And not only you shall love, but you shall love a specific person, that only one that is worthy of your love. You shall love the Lord your God. Come on, somebody. You shall love the Lord your God. That title in itself, the Lord your God, speaks of one that is supreme, speaks of his supremacy over our lives and in our lives. I'm going to tell you something that the Lord God is more than just a ticket to heaven. Jesus is more than just your ticket to heaven. What's getting getting quiet now? The Lord is more than just your fire escape from hell. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm fearful today, that a lot of people, that's the way they look at the Lord. Well, I just, you know, I, yeah, I love the Lord. He's, he's my ticket. He's my ticket to heaven. Doesn't matter how I live or what I do, but I, he's my ticket to heaven. I, he's my fire escape. He's my get out of hell free card. Let me tell you something. God Almighty is more than that or should be more than that and must be more than that in your life. He is too big be your Lord. Are you listening? He is the Lord your God. He's to rule in your life. He's to reign in your life. He is to be the one who controls your life. And I can tell you something today. That Jesus today in your life as a Christian Jesus is either on the cross or he's on the throne. Amen? And and I, and I tell you if he's Lord, he's going to be on the throne and you will be on the cross. Are you listening? to me. I said if he's Lord, he's on the throne and you're on the cross because it's on the cross where you die in him to self and to sin and you're crucified to the world through what he did at the cross. Yeah, Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for everything you need at the cross. But guess what? The cross is empty. Hallelujah. He's on the throne today. He came out of that tomb. He rose from the dead. So he's got to be on the throne of your life. Can I get an amen? If he's not on the throne of your life, if he's not Lord of your life, then he's 
not in charge of your life. And we need him to be in charge of our life. That's what living for the Lord Jesus is all about, that he is Lord of my life. So this love that Jesus demanded reveals that he is our Lord, but he is not just Lord, but he is God. You will love the Lord your God. That speaks of his supremacy, his supreme divinity. It speaks of God as being the exceeding God, um, the exceedingly God or the very exceeding God. There's no God, there's no God like our God. Are you listening to me? And see, this is a love that realizes and recognizes that God is God and that he is the self-existent one. He is self-existent within himself and he needs no one and he needs nothing to exist to, or to exist or to be God because he is exceedingly God all by himself. Oh, come on. Amen. He, <laughs> he's the almighty God. He's the almighty powerful God he's the creator God he's the one that's sustaining everything and by him all things consist and he's holding this all together he's the Lord of my life but he is also God almighty that's the one that I love today Woo! but not only the Lord but the Lord not only the Lord God but the Lord your God well, that, see, that makes it personal. Amen, that makes it personal. See, it's, a, it's all about a personal relationship with God. And this relationship that Jesus is talking about here is, is, is a relationship that is first initiated by God, by God loving us first. Amen. That's the only way, ladies and gentlemen, that you can love God. The capacity for humanity to love God within themselves does not exist. That capacity to love God has to come from God himself. It's initiated by God because he first loved us. He loved us when we didn't love him. He loved us when we were estranged from him. He loved us when we didn't care anything about him. And John brings that out in 1 John 4, 19 when he says we love him because he first loved us. And I'm gonna tell you something. When he loved me and when he loved you, he loved us when we were so unlovable. And I don't know about anybody else, but there's times in my life and I'm sure in yours, there's times when you still can be a little bit unlovable. Come on, somebody. But do you know that he still loves you? Hallelujah. Our lo he loved us and gave his son and came. Jesus came and died for us. The scripture says while we were sinners, while we were ungodly, when we were without God, when we were alienated from the covenants of promise and we didn't think anything about God or want anything to do with God, he sent his son Jesus to die for us on Calvary's cross. Our love is initiated by God. Our love is inspired by God. Our love is ignited by his love for you and me. It's a reciprocation. Our love is a reciprocation of his love for you. Glory to God. 
We sang that song today, and I'll tell you, the Spirit of the Lord was really moving that song. Katie always does such an awesome job with it, and our worship team does on singing cleansed and doing that song cleansed. So, you know, we, and the Spirit of the Lord always moves in that song. If there's, if there's ever a dry service, pull that song out and start singing. Because anytime you sing about the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost is going to move. Amen? But when you think about that song and you think about today that you are saved, that you are cleansed, that you are washed, that you are forgiven, then you know what? That ought to fill your heart today with a love for your heavenly Father, with a love for Jesus. I can't help but getting, get, getting a little teary-eyed and a little emotional, a little bit worked up when I think about what He has done in my life and where He brought me from. And where he brought me to. See, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, I, I love him today because he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Amen. He's done more to me than I could ever praise him for. He's been better to me than I deserve. And if you're here today and you got breath in your lungs and you're not in hell and your name's written in heaven, I'm telling you, you need to be loving God because he loved you enough to send his son down here bleed and die for you to redeem your wretched unworthy soul and put your name in heaven and make you a child of almighty God. Woo, he's the Lord, your God. It's personal relationship. It's personal relationship. He's made us sons and daughters of God. And I love him today. And here's the thing. This is what this verse is saying. And Jesus was saying, is you love him today for who he is and for what he's done in your life. Praise God. He gives here in this verse a description of our love. And I don't have time to, to touch on all this. But he said, you'll love your God. Here's the description. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, Jesus, in quoting the Shema, Jesus is saying that God must occupy the first place in our lives ahead of all others. Somebody said, well, you've already said that, Brother Rick. I want to say that again. Because we got to get this. And what he is saying here, let me say it again, that God, your Father God, must occupy the first place in your life ahead of every other love more than you love anything or anybody else. That little word, all, Jesus used. A-L-L. All Jesus used four times in describing our love for him. And that speaks of, of totality. It speaks of total love. And it describes a love that is something that is complete and whole in every wit, something that is all together. I think we could probably use the term our whole entire being when we're talking about loving Him with all that is within us. 
In other words, it's not a half-hearted love. It's, it's a complete, total love. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me. The Lord Jesus today is not looking for you to love him just a little bit. God Almighty is not calling for you and I to love him some and love something else some. He's not, he's telling us we can't divide our love for him with the love for the world. Are you with me today? He's telling us that our love for him has got to be a wholehearted love and not a half-hearted love. It's with all of your heart, Jesus said. That means it's a love that is without pretense. It's a love that is genuine. It's not just saying with our lips. How many's with me? Not just saying with our lips or, or, or making a confession. Oh yeah, I love the Lord. There's a lot of people that say they love Jesus today that don't care two hoots and a holler about him. Come on. They live what they want to live. They go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. But yet they say they love God. I'm telling you, true love with all of your heart is without hypocrisy. It's without pretense. It's loving him more than anything in this world. It's not just a profession of love. It's truly loving him with your very entire being. He said you would love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Amen. The soul is the seed of our emotions. And so, you know, I don't see how you can love God without being just a little bit on the emotional side. And I know, I'll confess, I'm a whole lot on that side. Amen. You know, I've told y'all before, I try to, be, uh, <clears throat> try to be dignified and try to calm down. But when I get, listen, when I get behind this pulpit with all good intentions of being calm, cool, and collected. And as soon as I start reading my text, and as soon as I start thinking about what the Word of God has to say, and as soon as I start talking about His goodness and His, His mercy and grace and love in my life, there's something, glory to God, there's something that starts churning and bubbling and stirring down on the inside of my soul. It affects my emotions. I'm going to tell you, that's what the Lord is saying. When you love Him with all of your soul, your emotions are going to get involved in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen here today? God cannot be loved with some dry, lifeless love, but it's an emotional thing. And there are those today that would have you to believe that when, it come, when you come to church, you know, that this is supposed to be a place that's, you know, you know oh, we come in here, we got to be real reverent and real quiet and real still. And we need to leave our emotions out on the parking lot. Amen. And, 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 you know, just park them out there and come in and, and re- just be real quiet and reverence God. Well, you know, there's some churches that believe that. There's some churches that practice that. But I'm going to tell you what. You, you know, if you love your God, if it's in your soul, you, my Lord, you're going to have some emotion that's going to 
stir on the inside of you. And everybody reacts differently when they get to thinking about the goodness of God. Some people will get emotional and just weep, weep and cry before the Lord when they think about how much they love God and all He's done for them. Some folks, you know, like me, I, I, I get to, I, I get to a little emotional, a little weepy sometimes, but I'll get to jumping up and down sometimes. Amen. Well, is that scriptural? Jesus said, leap for joy. Praise God. I believe that's biblical. I believe I'm within the Bible to do that. Amen. Some people will just shout and some people will praise God real loud. Why? It's the loving of God, your Father, with all of your soul, with all that is within you, your emotions getting involved. And I'm going to tell you what. You know, you husbands love your wife. You love her with your emotions, don't you? Your emotions are involved and it should be the same way with loving your God today with your heart, with your soul, with your mind and with your strength. What about our mind? Our mind, when you really love somebody, you really love something, your mind is fixed on them. You're thinking about them all the time. Now I'm telling you, there ain't a day goes by or a moment of a day that goes by what my mind is not on the Lord Jesus upon my God I love him with all my mind and with all your strength amen that means you physically get involved in loving God what do you mean brother Rick physically get involved that your body your strength in other words, you don't just love him inside and it doesn't affect your lifestyle. When you love him like this with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, you'll love him with all your strength, your actions and your attitudes and the way you live and the way you walk and the way you talk. Hallelujah, you will, you'll, you'll be able to tell what's on the inside. If you love him on the inside, it's gonna show up on the outside. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Thank God I'm getting a couple amens. You're working me this morning. Amen? All of our strength. All of our strength. And all these things together, taken together, make it clear that the Lord is telling us to love God with a perfect sincerity and an utmost fervency and with an entire energy, all of the energy of our being. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the greatest commandment. If you, if you can fulfill that one, if you'll keep that one, others will follow in line and fall into place. But then Jesus throws in something extra. Not only you love the Lord, your God, that's the first and that's the greatest commandment, but then he says in verse 31 that the second, the second is, like, is like it and it's this. Here we go. Now, see, Jesus is telling them, this is how you prove that you really love God. And this is where the rubber meets the road. I hope that wasn't a Goodyear slogan. It wasn't, was it? <laughs> this is where it gets down to the nitty-gritty. 
And Jesus said, but the second, I know you didn't ask about the second one, but the second is like it, and it's this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Who said that? Not Pastor Rick. Jesus did. I'm, I'm going to believe what Jesus said. Amen? There's no other commandment greater than these. Jesus is teaching us here that the great commandment, the great commandment, the greatest commandment is twofold. He is saying that these commandments are totally linked together. Loving God and loving your neighbor. Totally inseparable. Can't separate them. One, you can't have one without the other. Are you, are you listening? I'm going to say that again. These two commandments, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, are totally linked together. You can't have one without the other. Love for God produces love for neighbor. Divine love overflows into personal love. You cannot, I'm going to say it this way, you cannot love God and hate people at the same time. Are you with me? <clears throat> See, I've had a week off. My voice has got weak. You can't love God and hate people. John said it in 1 John four twenty. That if someone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, John said, you're a liar. Oh boy. For he, he said, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So when you say, I love God, but you hate people, you got a problem. You're not where you need to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. There can't be animosity or hatred in our heart for anyone if we love God the way we should. You have, and here's the, here's the priority of it, is that you have to love God first with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength before you can love people. It's that love of God and love from God that flows to you to others. And Jesus could have used a number of Greek words here for love because there's several Greek words. We have one English word, L-O-V-E, but there's several Greek words that are translated love that have different meanings. And Jesus could have used uh, eros, he could have used storge, he could have used phileo, but Jesus chose a word to use here in describing our love for God and our love for others. And it's the word we're all familiar with. It's the Greek word agape. How many know agape? Do you know what agape is? 
is agape. Agape love is the kind of love with, with which God himself loves. It's the same kind of love that, that God expressed toward sinners. It's the same kind of love that God showed when he sent his only son to die on Calvary's cross to pay the price for my sin and for your sin. Hallelujah, it's that same love that said that God commended his love for us that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous, the godly for the ungodly. When we were no good, when we were not fit for anything, not fit to live, God agaped us. He loved us and he said, I don't want them to be in that condition anymore. I love them so much. I'll send my only begotten son to die and to shed his blood that they can be saved. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap for that. Glory to God. Amen. God. God gave Jesus. That's his love. And so Jesus said that this is how we are to love God. We are to agape God with the love that he's given us and with that agape to agape our neighbor as ourself. I know people, I've heard people say, well, there's two commandments there. Love your neighbor and love yourself. You've got to learn to love yourself. No, 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 no. That's the problem now. You've got too much love for self. That's one, of the, that's one of the traits and characteristics of the last day. Men will be lovers of themselves. I've just killed a lot of people's theology, but that's it. That same love that Jesus showed when he died on the cross. That's how we've got to love God. And so God was showing us, and Jesus was saying, God gave you his best. God gave you his best, his son. So you, in loving God, should give God your best. And this is also how you should love your neighbor with that same love that God loved you with. And I know, and here's the question. Well, and, and there was a guy that asked this in Luke's gospel. Well, who's my neighbor? Tell me. Who's my neighbor? Just the people I live next door to. Just the one I sit next to in church. Some people have a problem doing that. Now I've done went to meddling. But who is my neighbor? And that's addressed. And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurry, but you got to get this. That's addressed in the book of Leviticus and the law as well. Because in Leviticus, <clears throat> in Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, listen to what it says. God said this, this was, this was the, under, in the Torah. God said, and if a stranger dwells with you in your land. Who? A stranger dwells with you in your land. 
I'm trying not to digress. We were, when we first moved to Farmington some long, long, long time ago, our little girl, Rachel, she was just a little tiny girl at that time when we moved to Farmington. We were sitting at Hunt's in our car getting a double Western cheeseburger, I'm sure. <clears throat> and there was a guy sitting in a car. If I called his name, you all know who he was, but he was sitting in a car next to us. He had on a black hat and a black jacket and black driving gloves and all that. He was decked out in all this black stuff and shades and all that. And our little girl, Rachel, looked over there. And she was staring at him. And she looked at me and she said, Daddy. So what? She said, is that a stranger? Because we'd always told her, beware of strangers. I didn't need to say that. But he said, if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you, you shall, among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So ladies and gentlemen, listen. What Jesus is teaching and what the Word of God is teaching and what Jesus is pointing them to is that your neighbor that you are to love as yourself is not merely people who look like you, not the same background as you or the same color as you, but you are to love and the love of God will make you and cause you to love strangers and make strangers into neighbors and love them as yourself. And God said, when you were a stranger in Egypt, I loved you. When you were the outcast, I loved you. And I'm telling you what I'm preaching to you this morning will put an end to the race issue once and for all because it's not about BLM. It's not about black and white and colors. And I said it before and I'll say it again. If you have to put a color before lives matter, then you have a problem yourself and you need to get in an altar somewhere because he didn't say it's your neighbor that looks like you or, or talks like you or, or is the same race as you or the same religion as you and that man in Luke chapter 10 asked Jesus that very question and he said willing, wanting to justify himself and you can read it. It's in Luke chapter 10, I think starting with verse 25. Read it when you get home. But he, he, he asked the same question. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus gave him this answer, same scriptures. He didn't change it. And then wanting to justify himself, that Pharisee asked the Lord of that lawyer, which didn't mean he was an attorney. He was one that studied the law of Moses and taught the law of Moses. And he said to the Lord Jesus, willing to, wanting or seeking to justify himself, he said, well, Who's my neighbor? And Jesus gave a parable, a story. And he said a certain man, Jewish man, went, from, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and on his way he was attacked. He fell among thieves. How many remember the story? They beat him up. 
They threw him in the ditch. They robbed him of everything he had, stripped him of all that he had, and left him by the side of the road half dead. And about that time, here comes a priest walking down that road and looks over and sees him there and just keeps on going. He don't belong to my church. Boy, it's getting quiet in this Pentecost. He don't, he's not of my ethnicity. I'll just keep going in. A little later, a Levite comes by. And the Levite looks over, passes on the other side. But thirdly, Jesus said, a Samaritan came by. The guy in the ditch is a Jew. The guy in the ditch hates the Samaritans. The guy in the ditch has got a race problem. Oh, come on now. Are you with me? He's got a problem. The guy in the ditch, if the tables would have been turned, would have been one of them passing on by on the other side because they're not like me. But the guy in the ditch and the guy walking beside down the road, the Samaritan, is one that is, that is despised and that is hated by the guy that fell among thieves and that's in the ditch. But the Bible said that that Samaritan, when he saw him, when he saw the one that wasn't of his ethnicity, wasn't of his race, the one that didn't like him, the one that thought he was trash, when he saw him in the ditch, he had compassion on him. He went over to him. He poured oil and wine in his wounds. He bandaged up his wounds. He put him on his own beast. He took him to the inn. He got him a nice room in the Hilton and he paid for it and he bought him something to eat and he said if he needs anything else let me know and put it on my account. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! He said which one of those three was neighbor to the one that fell among thieves? And he said well the one that showed compassion to him. He said well you go and do the same. You go and you do likewise. Worship team Make your way back. See, being a neighbor goes beyond race and ethnicity and nationality and education and social status. Jesus was teaching here to love your neighbor as yourself. He was giving us the golden rule. How many know what it is? Matthew 7 and 12, therefore, Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount. We know it as the golden rule, but Jesus said, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, do to others as if you are the others. Do to others as if you are the others. Treat people the way they ought to be treated. Not the way they treat you. And that's not always easy to do. That's why you have to have the love of Jesus. It comes from first loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, 
and you can love your neighbor as yourself. And he went on to say, there's no other commandment greater than these. That's quite a statement, isn't it? In Matthew twenty-two forty, Jesus said this. On these two commandments, it's the same, the same story given by Mark, but Matthew mentions that Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of it. You know what that means? That means if I love the Lord as I should, that I'm not going to sin against the Lord. You know what that means? It means that if I love my neighbor as I should, that I'm not going to do anything to offend my neighbor or to hurt my neighbor or to try to destroy my neighbor. That's where we've got to be. When your love life is right, then you'll treat everyone from God on down as they should be treated, as they ought to be treated. If we love God and others as we should, then our lives are going to be pleasing to Him. Amen? Stand with me. I'm going to close with, with, with a verse of Scripture. You can write this down. Read it when you get home. But this is the same thing Paul said in Romans 13 and 8. He said, no, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has what? Fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And listen, And if there is any other commandment, and I think Paul was talking about all the 613 that were in the Torah, and if there is any other commandment, are all, they are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said to his disciples the night before he was to be crucified, he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have have loved you, so love you one another. That's the fulfilling of the law. Amen.